Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Beers and uh, Rugby Chat. You know what? Yesterday, there didn't seem to be enough on, so I didn't do a special audio one. Um, and uh, But today, there is a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to have a chat with Fiji and Drua and Moana Pacifica. Um, there's uh, a couple of games, obviously, the USA versus the All Blacks. We've got uh, Japan versus the Wallabies. We've also had all the MPC games. Um, Nonu has uh, signed for a team for next year. So we'll have a chat about that. Obviously, rumoured to be Moana Pacifica and also rumoured to be Major League Rugby. So I'll tell you how that one's gone. Uh, there's been some talk also about uh, the uh, Nations Championship making a re-emergence as uh, World Rugby tries to push that as well. So lots to talk about today um, on the old beer front. And uh, it is the uh, Spates Gold Medal Ale that I've got today. I'll be cracking that open in 60 seconds at exactly five o'clock. Um, obviously, with this lockdown, we don't be drinking too early um, because yeah, it could all get a little bit silly. Let's be honest. Um, so, yes, that's what um, we'll be talking about. Hope you're all staying safe. Hope you're all following the lockdown rules and hope you've all got yourselves vaccinated as well. Um, very, we're all pro-vaccine on here on this show, folks. Uh, so please do that. And then we can get back to normality as soon as possible. I did not expect to be doing over 50 of these lockdown beers, but we're on to now uh, 52 or 53 um, episodes of um, doing this one. Yeah, this is the 53rd. Um, so, uh, yes, this has all gone on a lot longer than we expected. So, as I say, folks, please get yourselves vaccinated and let's get back to normal um, as quickly as possible. Let's make that 90% uh, target here in New Zealand. Let's get past that, make 95, you know, let's get, let's, let's uh, try and get as many people as possible um, vaccinated. Um, so, yes, on the rugby front, as I say, lots to talk about because you know what? It's beer o'clock, five o'clock it is, and uh, time to start the wind down at the end of the day, even though it's not been a work day, folks. Uh, and either is tomorrow, because tomorrow obviously is Labour Day. So we've got some, a long weekend, um, so people not even lock, not logging in um, from um, home um, to do work. Well, if you are, um, I uh, hope you have a good one and then do wind down at the end of the day with us. Um, joining me for a chat, it's some um, Boa. How are you doing, sir? Very well, thank you. It's, uh, it's a bit cold and nippy here. I'm just... Uh out there in the estuary as you can see uh so quick change clothes and glad to be here i hope everyone is well 
I hope you're feeling a bit warmer than I am at the moment. <laughs> I'll be honest, I've, uh, I've not been outside today and I have had the fire lit indoors. So, yes, uh, I definitely I am warmer. Um, but uh, yeah, but not feeling as good about myself, um, uh, having done all the work you've done um, to help the estuary and uh, help the environment and stuff. Uh, so, yes, you've definitely got uh, one or two extra brownie points than I do. Um, locked, locked up. <laughs> No, it's a, look, it's a, it's a labor of love. Someone has to do it, and uh, I just happen to be one of those people. But, yeah, no, look, uh, plenty of action. Uh, so let's get stuck right into it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, first off, um, I saw yesterday that Fiji and Drua uh, have already started their preseason training um, over there in Fiji. So that's good to see, to get all the, um, the local boys um, on there. Uh, and uh, get, getting that fitness work um, ahead of ahead of the season. I mean, one of the problems that a lot of the team, the, the New Zealand Super Rugby franchise, is going to have is a shortened pre-season because um, the uh, well, first off, me obviously the Blues, uh, a lot of their players are in lockdown, um, and all the other um, squads, uh, well, they're watching the NBC uh, overrun by a month. So, um, yeah, advantage Fiji and Drua there, and good to see them uh, t- taking full advantage of that. Oh, look, brilliant, brilliant stuff, because this is exactly the type of handicap I've been talking about for months and months and months. I think these teams, particularly based out of the uh, Pacific Islands, competing against some of the more established uh, competition franchises, they need they need a jump start, you know. So uh, from a coaching point of view, I guess uh, giving these boys more time together gives more time for preparation get the combinations right, get their fitness, strength and conditioning right up there and also work on game plans and tactics. So giving them as much preparation and I hope this will be the blueprint for the Pacific Island test teams going forward as well. The more preparation and more time together they can actually achieve and get under their belt, uh, the more prepared naturally they're going to be. And I think this is going to kind of tilt the tables in their favor uh, purely because, you know, as you rightly said, some of the uh, New Zealand franchises, for example, they're going to have very, very little preparation time in uh, leading into this. And of course, uh, hopefully the Drua, with their preparation time, they can actually get some um, warm-up games going as well, probably against some of the uh, local clubs and hopefully against some of the franchise teams a lot ahead of time. And... um Considering that uh, apparently Fiji, Fiji and Drua have uh, lost out in between 10 and 15 players due to how long it took to get them their uh, unconditional contract. This is according to Hale T. Poe, uh, who, it, Paul, sorry, Hale T. Poe, uh, who is the uh, chairman of the Pacifica Players Association, Pacific Rugby Players. Wow, that's a mouthful. Um, but uh, look, it does a lot of good work. Uh, and uh, yeah, being, look, they're, they're 10 or 15 players short, so look, all the uh, preparation they can have uh, it's basically all the better um, on that one. Um, I don't know if you saw, but he also said that apparently the Fijian Drua and also Moana Pacifica, they're trying to turn those, or they've made, made suggestions to World Rugby, that those become capture teams um, for the for Fiji, uh, uh, Samoa and Tonga. Obviously, Fijian Drua for Fiji and Moana, and, uh, Moana Pacifica for the Tonga and Samoa. Uh, look, this will be the first time a club side or a franchise team was a, a capture team. Um, what do you think of that one then? That uh, once you've played for Moana Pacifica, that's it. You're captured to uh, either Tonga or Samoa. Yeah, look, I, I have my reservations about that because, again, essentially, what you're doing is ring fencing players and forcing them 
with certain limitations on what they can and can't do. Uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer in freedom of choice and I think there will be some players, you know, they'll take a different route. And of course, uh, there will be economic ramifications as well because as you know, if you really want to make big bucks and we've seen this in the past, some of the most talented players who've uh, been, you know, uh, who have heritage from the Pacific Islands or born have uh, gone on to be naturalized in some of the tier one nations. So I, I look, I have my reservations about it. That said, I can see where the sense is. I can see where uh, the streamlined continuity, what they're trying to do, and then roll it on to the test nations, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, look, I, I, I'm 50-50 on it, really. Uh, it's, it's really up to the players. If the players collectively agree and say, yeah, actually, we want to do this. Uh, I think that's great. But uh, I mean, look, Halle Tepoli is you know, a heck of a nice guy. Um, be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what sort of conversations have actually happened behind closed doors or whether this is a very autonomous decision which has been pushed from somewhere or the unions. Yeah, it is an interesting one, isn't it? I, I've, I say I've um, not... Um, uh, so it's the first time I, I've, I've read about it, the first time I've, I've heard of this kind of concept. Previously, you kind of your England Saxons or your A teams, your, your secondary teams um, have been the capture teams for New Zealand. Uh, they have previously... Uh, used um, nominated uh, the, uh, the sorry the Maori All Blacks uh, as their second team um, rather than necessarily the uh, the sort of All Blacks fifteen or whatever they or, or those sort of sides. So um, yeah, an interesting one. Uh, it's become less and less. Uh, we've seen less and less pick players getting captured by the secondary teams over the years. Recently, as those secondary teams don't play as much. Put bluntly, um, your English Saxons, Irish Wolfhounds the uh, Welsh A team, all these teams don't play that often um, anymore. So, uh, which, which is a shame because I think those teams give young players uh, the kind of, in, uh, some ex exposure to what it means to come together for a representative team. Um, but the capture piece has, has been an issue in the past. So, um, yeah, again, uh, in some ways I just think that the top team should be the capture team, just the first 15 and the uh, first sevens. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see course, how it, uh, it pans out. Of course, Paul, another uh, blueprint or template I can uh, highlight as an example is the Jaguares, you know, mm -hmm. and the Argentinian Pumas, you know. So there's similarities there. But again, you have to look at player welfare, player burnout, you know, overuse of players in high-performance environments. Seasons can be long. Uh, and of course, you know, you want to get your best players on the pitch as often as they can. At the same time, you have to manage your minutes, which is something, for example, the teams like the All Blacks and the Springboks and also the Wallabies have done really well. Uh, so look, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, and my take on this whole thing with particularly Fiji and Drua and Moana Pacifica is the strategy on capture teams or ring fence teams in the progression or the pathway to test status uh, representation. I think it's going to be largely an emergent strategy. I think the players will have a large say in this, and of course, economic factors will come into play as well. So, I, I, I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna hold reservations on this, and we'll just wait and see how this whole thing fans out over the next three to five years. Yeah, just be, just to be clear, folks. The what the the Hanky Warriors wasn't a capture team for the um for for the for the Pumas or for Argentina. So basically if you played for the Hagarais that didn't mean you couldn't play for another international team if you weren't already captured. Um but what they did do is they just chose to only Transfer. hire players who were Argentinian and, and, and who were part of the 
uh, the national setup. So uh, it's uh, yeah, that, that, that's that was their their, their hiring choice. A bit like um, the uh, Fijian Drew. I think that initially Fijian Drew will be 100% Fijian, um, whereas Moana Pacifica will be 80% uh, Tongan Samoan. Um, for example, apparently there was a bit of a hoo-ha um, around uh, Lincoln McClutchy's signing because he is not eligible um, for Samoa or Tonga. We weren't clear whether he was or wasn't, but no, apparently he's not. Um, so interesting, there's a little bit of a hoo-ha around his signing, um, but uh, I think that um, has, has quietened down a, a, a little bit. But as long as there are only five players who aren't eligible for Samoa and Tonga within that uh, squad, then I'm, I'm happy that they are following through on what they said they would do. Um, clearly, uh, if you stack all of your of those five players in one position, i.e. Um, fly half or first five eight, um, basically number 10 jersey, uh, then, you, then you're going to need some local boys. Uh, <laughs> the national teams do need number 10s, so they've got to come from somewhere. So, uh, yeah, you need a bit more balance. And that's why you see someone like Ireland, for example, uh, saying that across the provinces, there can only be one international player um, per position. So if, for example... Um, Ulster have a, 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 a foreigner in, in a number 10 jersey. That means the other three provinces aren't allowed to go out overseas and hire someone in that jersey. So um, to, to make sure they've got the player depth for their teams. And that's part of what we're talking about Moana Pacific, Pacifica being is creating that player depth for Tonga and Samoa. But anyway, um, we need to move on and have a chat about some other things. Um, according to Hale T. Pole, there is also a... Um, uh, the, the, the Nations Championship is back on the agenda from World Rugby. Uh, apparently, there's a w- option 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B. Um, something that we'll go into a little bit more detail um, on Tuesday night on the Driving Mall show, if we can find out some more detail. But, um, yeah, uh, I say World Rugby rolling that one out again for their meeting ahead of the November International. So it's going to be interesting to see what does or doesn't come of that. Nobody else has talked about this. So interesting that he is... Um, decided to get public on this when no one else has any spilled the beans. Uh, yeah, look, <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. I'm, I'm not going to say anything more. So hopefully he doesn't get in too much trouble. Oh, hell, it's Tipole. You heard it first here. On- <laughs> well, yes. Well, it's first on, first on stuff, to be honest. But there we go. That's where we're stealing it from. Um, uh, on that one. Um, Ma'anonu has been rumoured to be going to... Moana Pacifica, but we'd heard rumours that he was going to Major League Rugby. And, um, well, hat tip to uh, Stephen Harris. He's got this one right because Ma'anonu is off, is going back to um, San Diego Legion to play in Major League Rugby next year. He will not be playing for Moana Pacifica. Uh, look, I don't think he's, a, I don't think it really is a player that Moana Pacifica needed. Uh, I think they've got plenty of midfield options. Uh, so, I think yeah, not, not not a bad decision. I think Lockie's going to be an area they need they need uh, to be using those overseas roles for rather than uh, midfield. But uh, he would have been a good a good draw card to get bums on seats, wouldn't he, Bo? Uh Yes, that part I would agree. He'd probably sell a few jerseys, you know, autographs, and get the kids in, and you know, maybe they they show a highlight reel of him barnstorming before kickoff. But I think from a, a player. Development and future planning point of view is probably the most ridiculous thing to do. So I'm pleased for Ma'a that he's off to uh, Major League Rugby, i.e. MLR. And of course, uh, it's starting to look uh, a little bit like one of those retirement funds where all these former stars they kind of move on 
I mean, it's 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 not the most competitive, not the most intense of um, competitions. So managing minutes is not going to be uh, too much of an issue. I mean, we saw we've seen guys like Matt Ghetto do really well in MLR. Uh, and, you know, I'm starting to see their silver hairs sort of pop up. But, you know, you, you have to you have to start questioning, you know, what is the motive of signing some of these former superstars? You know, this sort of thing happens in professional boxing. You know, former heavyweight world champion will fight uh, for some kind of ABC title soup sort of thing. So hopefully rugby is not going down that line because rugby is... You know, physically, it's a lot more demanding, particularly when you're playing against younger players. Uh, but yeah, look, I think Moana's done the right thing. And look, with the greatest respect, because Ma is one of the greatest All Blacks, you know, we've seen in our, in our generation. I mean, really, he doesn't need to be playing um, rugby uh, again because, you know, he's, he's done it all. Uh, and oh, God, God, look, he doesn't need to be playing rugby for East Coast uh, in the Hotland Championship. He's clearly doing it because he enjoys playing rugby. I, I look. I get that. I, I completely get that. But as I said, you know, particularly against some of these younger, bigger guys, it's it's a, there's always a risk and reward. So I, I really hope, I really hope Maha knows what he's doing. I'm pretty sure he does. Uh, but now look for MLR. Congratulations. Uh, they'll they, they can boast that they have one of the best All Blacks in the midfield, and no doubt he's he's going to be in the crowd, and no doubt he will score a few tries. He will run a few run uh, through a few of those uh, midfield defenders, as we saw this morning. Uh, so, yeah, no, good stuff. I'm uh, pleased very much for Ma'a, as well as uh, MLR. And look, I, I, I both say a little bit about the retirement village for MLR. Look, if you think about some of the players who used to get signed for Japan, um, it used to be a retirement village up there as well. But now you're seeing players like, um, I think, was it R.G. Steinman was up there, um, You've got, I mean, you've got current internationals, particularly Springboks, um, and uh, uh, and other players going much younger um, up there. So it's a, it, it takes time to develop, and we will see um, in the sort of five years, in about I guess about the five year time frame, something like that. We will see players who um, we think are fringe All Blacks instead of going off to France, they'll be going off to the USA. Uh, so it will be a place where we will be losing players to again. Um, in, in, in say in about five or so years' time, because uh, look, the American market is the biggest market in the world, economically, economic-wise, um, as China's just t- taken it. But from a sporting point of view, it's the biggest market in the world, uh, and we're going to see it, it, it will keep on growing, uh, and it's going in the right direction. So yeah, uh, players like Matt Gitto, Adam Ashley Cooper, Matanonu, um, cash in now because you know what, uh, it, it won't be available for for some of the. Uh, Older players like, say, a George Bridge or a, um, or, uh, or or say a, uh, I don't know, Will Jordan, when they come to the end of their career, uh, Major League Rugby will not be knock, knocking on it, will not be available for those sort of players. Yeah, and I, and you know, Paul, I can see where this is going. In about five to ten years, pretty much uh, the entire Eagles team would probably end up being a naturalised uh, New Zealand fifteen or twenty-three because. <laughs> As you rightly said, you know, because of the economics and talent pool uh, countries like New Zealand have, most of these guys, they are going to go overseas. They will uh, sit their residency requirement and they will end up playing for them because the money is right and the prospects are right. And, you know, in a talent pool such as in in, uh, New Zealand, Aotearoa, they will be drowning. So this is a lifeline for some of these players on the fringes. 
Yep. Um, so that uh, moving on then, so we've had some NPC results um, this weekend. Uh, obviously, uh, we had the uh, Bay of Plenty versus Northland game was postponed, but we still had um, four games this weekend. Um, in, uh, kicking off on Friday night um, with Otago um, versus uh, Canterbury. Um, Otago getting the surprise win there, 22 to 20, um, just uh, nicking it at the end. I, must admit, I didn't uh, uh, give them a hope. I, 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 I'd already checked out, but um, uh, Stephen Harris uh, jumped on them at, uh, at, at a nice price on the old uh, TAB and got some nice money out of it. But um, uh, this uh, it's worrying sides of Canterbury. This Canterbury team is definitely not the side it has been of the past decade. Uh, I mean, this is not the kind of game they would have lost uh, here three years ago. Well, it is a very, very alarming drift in form. I think Canterbury's biggest issue is they're very, very predictable. They seem to be playing the same pattern week in, week out. Uh, and, you know, the whole saying, you know, if you keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, you know, it's just not going to happen. So they need, if they want a different result, they probably want to change what they're doing, change the activity and on-field execution and tactics. So, yeah, for me, it's just too predictable. And what Otago really did was, you know, they were just playing Cavalier sort of festival style rugby. They threw everything at them and they got the bickies. And I think uh, that is uh, a bit of a damning indictment against Canterbury. Take nothing away from Otago because they fully deserve the victory. Uh, but serious problems uh, with this uh, championship winning uh, franchise team. And I think they, they need to make some changes like pretty quick. And I did read an article, I think it was on stuff, and the heat is really on Coach Ruben Thorne. Um, and I would tend to agree a little bit on that sort of sentiment because, as I said, you know, they're very predictable. They keep doing the same things, same patterns. And if you looked at how Otago defended against what Canterbury doing, you know, it was, you know they, they knew what was coming. So, yep, problems at headquarters. Hopefully they can make some changes. And I'm yet to see, and I'm yet hopeful, that Canterbury would dish out some of that championship style rugby. Well, they need to do it like now. Oh, look, I think uh, yeah, I think we'll be seeing a, a coaching change there uh, yeah, at the end of the season, and yeah, I, I can't see them uh, spinning things or turning around that uh, that that abruptly. To be honest with you, so great, so really good win for Otago there. Um, Taranaki, uh, they continue their good form, beating uh, Manawatu forty-seven to uh, thirty-five. There to uh, show they are. Still the form team. Uh, and then and uh, the final competitive game meant that Hawks Bay locked up the Ranfurly Shield um, for the season with a 41-14 to 14 win over Waikato. Look, I mean, Waikato looked like they were going to get back into it at times. Um, but uh, this Hawks Bay team, even losing players like Ash Dixon, as quite a few provinces now are losing players who have got overseas contracts um, early. Uh, Dylan Nell's another one that's, headed over, that's, that's played his last game as well. Uh, um, for, for Otago, so um, uh, yeah, look, impressive performances both both the Naki and uh, and the Bay. No question, and I think both these teams have been very profitable for us. I think if uh, all you fans out there, if you've been following particularly our driving more show, I have been consistently tipping and singing the praises of Taranaki as well as the Magpies out of Hawks Bay. Uh, the reason is they they've figured out what their weapons or their strike weapons are, and they play very consistent patterns of rugby which encourage those weapons to come right into the game and I think uh, both uh, from an improvement point of view and also consistency point of view the Naki and Hawks Bay have really entertained spectators they don't they, they play 
entertaining rugby. They're, they're rugby, which is easy on the eyes and you want to see more. And they just love scoring tries. Uh, whereas some of the other teams, I, you know, we've just been through uh, talking about Canterbury. And also Waikato, I have to say, you know, a bit disappointed because uh, they've got the manpower, they've got the tactics, but not consistent enough. So from uh, both entertainment and also improvement point of view, no question, the Naki and the Hawks Bay long may it continue. And uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, where all this ends up. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, look, it's um, it, it's a surprise. Well, you know, the the, the yeah, Naki didn't necessarily start the season well. They really got things going, and then things were, the wheels have fallen off again. So, not really sure what's going on there. Um, clearly, uh, look, I mean, they are living in Tauranga at the moment, so um, that that could be causing some of the some of the players uh, having some. Uh, sort of uh, family issues and stuff that might mean they can't get their heads in the game um, and, and be worrying about family. So uh, that might be part of it. But um, yeah, it's it, it, it's a confusing one as to why as to their inconsistency this year. Um, finally, we had the um, uh, the non-competitive game between or the non-points game between Wellington and Southland. Wellington taking that one 24 to 22. These ones, are, these games have been a bit difficult to uh, or a bit strange when you've seen. A whole host of players getting their cap, getting their debuts, and uh, uh, it really has been used for fringe players. So, uh, I'm not not too much. So I think you can read from the the non-competitive games in the NPC, but good to see players getting a run out, basically. Yeah, look, it's always it's always nice to see players, particularly homegrown players from the province, get a run. So, uh, yeah, look, whilst it uh, it had you know little to no meaning as far as points, uh, and you know. NPC, the points table, etc. Yeah, it's always nice to uh, give some of these youngsters a go. And uh, yeah, it was a bit of a glorified club game, so to speak, from both provinces. Um, I thought Southland, you know, they, they again, they had they had a few chances, close game. Um, but yeah, it's always good to see some rugby and I'm very happy for Wellington Lions because again, their form's just been sort of up and down and patchy. At the end of the day, I'm sure they won't be complaining because it goes down as a W. 
and victory is victory. Yeah, it's one. I'll be honest. I gave this one a skip um, because a it clashed with the um, Japan versus Wallabies game, and b I had my girls uh, for this weekend. So uh, this was one that I thought, yeah, that we, you could afford to skip um, this weekend. Um, Simon makes a good point that the cheaters, the South African um, team, not a not a team of not a team of, not not a team that cheats. Um, initially, I read it and thought, hang on, which province is he referring to? But no, no, um, he's referring to the the, the, um, the cheaters over in South Africa. Uh, they have set up obviously they've been kicked out of the URC or the Pro 14 um, to allow the uh, Bulls, Lions, Stormers, and Sharks in, which has left them without a competition. Uh, they were hoping to do something with Georgia, but I guess COVID's um, got in the way of that. Uh, and uh, it looks like they've set themselves up a bit of an international series with uh, teams from Spain and Romania in there. Look, South Africa has a history of provinces getting kicked out of tournaments. And the Lions did, for example, and they they ran a series of kind of um, invitational games to, to keep their team together, get the team to play things for. Um, so good to see that uh, the uh, the Cheetahs doing that. Hopefully they're getting help from the SIU as well to keep them going. And we'll see how they uh, where they reemerge. I mean, look, the Force, uh, another team that's got kicked out, kept themselves going through invitational games and then got to uh, got to come back. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cheetahs. Pardon me. Um, do something similar um, somehow. Um, then we've had the two international games this weekend, two games outside the window. Um, the uh, first one was the um, uh, Japan um, versus the uh, Wallabies, where the Wallabies um, got up in that one. Um, this was a, 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 a strange game to watch. Look, I, I, and part of it possibly is also that um, is getting used to the culture of the Japanese crowds, um, because it is a very different, uh, the, the crowd noises um, are very different. And I'm not saying this is, this is right or wrong. As I say, it's a different culture. We should accept that uh, they support um, uh, their team their way. And that's and that, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, a bit like people who, who complain about booing of kickers in uh, New Zealand or in the USA. Look, that's the culture. That's the rugby culture there and the fan culture there. It's fine if you want to do. If you want to be quiet at home in UK, that's okay. But overseas, if people want to boo, they can boo. It's it's different cultures. So, um, watching a game where the crowd noises are a bit are, are not what you're used to uh, can alter how you actually enjoy the game. Bella. it is. You know, it reminds it reminded me of watching a game of a serious game of ping pong, where you know you get raucous raptures of uh, you know applause break out and then. Know, these, these periods of silence and it's 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 kind of weird you know it's almost like uh uh yeah it's 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 difficult to uh describe but you know as as far as uh rugby cultures go yeah look there's no right and wrong answer here and it really depends on uh the locality you know when in rome do as a roman so uh look it, it is what it is as far as the game goes i honestly thought the volumes were very lucky to get away with that flattering scoreline because if it was a you know, right up till the end, Japan were right in it, um, and it was a you know it was a bit of a faltering performance. Both sides, you know, there were there were it was a very high error rate as well. Um, one thing I have to say is I was very very frustrated watching the game, how the breakdown was policed because it looked like none of the players, particularly from the Wallabies side, uh, they just there was no propensity of them wanting to stay on their feet. It's what you call the good old fashioned bridging <laughs> technique, where where arriving players just Basically, lay and pray, 
on the on the tackle player and there was absolutely no attempt of actually holding your body weight up and i think that uh did disadvantage uh, japan quite a bit because you know it's uh, to me it's just pure and simple illegal uh overall you know the game was big and players just generally don't keep their feet at all in uh, at rucks you go watch a game folks from 10 15 years ago and all the players were on their feet there's uh, they're not reaching down for the ball they're just trying to drive over it uh, and i think we need to get back to that because at the moment it's it's just a, a farce it's diabolical uh, it is yeah. it, it, it is really affecting the game i have to say because you know world rugby uh das dances they actually want to speed up the game but what's actually happening and how the game is being policed is creating the absolute opposite effect so it's for me it's quite negative and it's actually slowing the game down that said uh you know have to give it to japan as well they wow they they stuck in and they fought right to the end it was a error strewn sort of game um i think they just lacked a little bit of athleticism and physicality in certain critical areas uh and of course there was a few kicks at goal which they missed now had these gone over been a very different story uh but as far as volleyball is concerned yeah look scratchy sort of win can they be happy about it i suppose they won five in a row but the nature of the the victory is uh, you know a little bit iffy um i mean imagine if the all blacks were to win a game like that they'd be absolutely shredded to bits so uh overall you know a bit of a stop start game had its moments last five minutes was very very exciting and soon as the japanese crowd break their eerie silence and get right into it it's a different ball game altogether Yeah, look, I mean, Joshua in the live chat goes, Japan is no longer a padding, padding test of Tier 1 nations. Renny will be okay with the result. With the result, absolutely he will be. With the performance, though, look, Japan, look, well-drilled, really played well, but you, 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 you nailed it with that lack of physicality. What that means, a, a lot of the tackles are passive tackles, um, and they are uh, going going low, which is good from a, a safety point of view. But what that does mean is that players like Quade Cooper have a free license to run at the line get their hands free and uh, give offloads and let them put players through. Um now whilst I get it for some of the bigger players who are running in, yep, just put them down. For players like Cooper, you can't let him do that. If he does that, he's going to feel day and you're going to get opened up. Um you need to hit him hard. And I think lack of physicality really hurt um Japan. Uh, and I think that Australia if they if they had if their passes had been going to hand and they weren't passing into touch on the edges, they would have racked up a lot more points. uh they will be uh, Dave Rennie will be angry with the execution of his team as you say the number of mistakes they made uh with handling of that ball uh they will be they will not be happy with and uh, i think lots of passing drills lots of uh, timing of running uh, of running timing of support line drills will be in the uh, menu um for the wallabies over the next week or so once they've uh, flown over to europe and also Paul, um, i have to say you know the the wallabies of old you know that the, the large parcels and large large amount of time where they were just sort of going side to side and they were trying the same tactics of playing you know three hands three uh, move a couple of faces and they weren't actually getting any positive meters all they were going side to side and they get turned over now if it was a, a more experienced more physical side uh, and also a team who had a, a reliable goal kicker and a, unfortunately the japanese first choice kicker who was uh Tomura who was supposed to play first five comes on off the bench plays full back doesn't take the kicks at goal again would have been a very very different result but 
for me, the slight red flag for the Wallabies is that they, they tend to play this pattern, which is very ineffective. And they keep doing it against different oppositions, not getting any results. So that needs to be looked at and possibly utilize a territorial kicking game. I'm going to disagree. Well, the fact that they've, they've only lost one game when they've not been playing the All Blacks during Dave Rennie's term shows that it is, it is effective um, against not against anyone who's not wearing black jerseys. Um, so I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on that one. Uh, they um, And uh, I think one of the things that this, the one good thing to come out of this for the Wallabies is that, again, it's just more game time of play, of, of combinations together, um, which is what Dave Rennie um, is, is, is clearly doing. Um, moving on then to the... Uh, the All Blacks game, the USA versus the All Blacks. Look, um, I did this uh, little spreadsheet which shows you uh, in a timeline as to when the tries are scored. The blues tries are the blue lines show you when a uh, an All Blacks try was scored, and the red when the uh, when the USA scored. Top it starting from top to bottom. As you can see, um, the All Blacks put four tries in in the first quarter, or was it four, or even five? Uh, and this game was clearly gone um, fairly early on. Uh, the uh, and, and they'll be happy. With, with how that was going, they won't be happy with giving up a try just before half time, um, where they basically didn't have uh, pillar defence there, um, and um, and Sam Whitelock uh, allowed himself to be dragged a little bit wide, giving uh, space for um, uh, oh, gone blank. Kids today, I want to say Osberger, but it's not. It's something like that. Anyway, um, to to nip through and score, uh, and then in the second half, look, there's some pretty big white gaps of, uh, of, of white there showing you that uh, the All Blacks were on track for a score of around about 120-odd, uh, but only just sneaked over the century mark with two very late tries uh, that showed the execution in the second half definitely went away. They couldn't keep their shape um, with, the, uh, with, with the substitutions. And also, to be fair, look, the USA didn't give up at all. So, um, yeah, uh, job done, 100 points, but uh, definitely things to work on in that second half. From the All Blacks, but uh, yes, look uh, to call this a test match. Look, I'm, I'm going to be very blunt. Uh, it was farcical. I don't think uh, having test matches where one team can rack up a cricket score is going to do Test rugby any favors. The only cool thing was, and I did tip this last weekend, the first hat trick. It was look, easy money. Will Jordan. In reality, Will Jordan should have scored about eight tries because. He was the nucleus of most of their attack, particularly with those inside balls and also creating that second man play out wide. Brilliant game. I think he's, as I said, he's destined to uh, become uh, a star, if, if not already. Uh, yeah, look, there, there were lapses in uh, uh, execution, but you have to understand, you know, we, the, the, the starting combinations, particularly the, the halves combinations, we, you know, we've chopped and changed, I think, six, seven times, and players are getting. Runtime. What I really liked about this performance was that guys like Luke Jacobson, Papali got a bit of game time, um, and also, you know, the 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 backs, uh, particularly Richie Monga, you know, he, he brought out the full bag of tricks. Um, so entertaining game, and I think financially this would have served the All Blacks very well. So well done, bravo to them. But as far as uh, you know, progressing the game as in the game of Test Rugby, I'm not so sure these type of games are actually going to do anyone any favours. Um, hopefully, we don't see too many of these sort of mismatches in the future because at Test level, 
the, the, the very fact that we are hearing 100 points is just, to me, it's absolute sacrilege. Oh, okay, the same similar thing happened against Tonga earlier in the year where they couldn't have their first team because of uh, uh, MIQ and other things like that um, in, involved. Look, um, the, the, there needs to be games between Tier 1 and Tier 2 nations. Um, and uh, I'll be honest, this year has been uh, the massive exception um, for the All Blacks and the fact that they have played a whole bunch of Tier 2 games. Normally, um, they will play one at most a year, okay? Uh, because what do they do? Uh, during the mid-year window, which has moved from June to July, they will have a Tier 1 nation or two Tier 1 nations will come and tour for three games. They'll then play the Rugby Championship against Tier 1 teams, and then they'll go to cross to Europe and play Tier 1 teams in the end-of-year window and not give Tier 2 nations a game at all. The only reason Tier 2 nations got a game this year, um, let's be honest, during the mid-year window was because Italy pulled out of uh, coming over to tour. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't have got games. Uh, and Scotland. Uh, why did we get this game uh, in the USA? Now, they've not said it publicly, but funnily enough, it's the final year of the AIG sponsorship. Um, coincidence? I, I don't think so. Um, AIG are responsible for the previous game in 2014, I think, and also were responsible for the game that uh, the All Blacks played against Japan. So look, we may say, oh my word, we've got a name on the jersey. Um, and people might be upset with AIG's sponsorship, but at least part of what they've done is get the All Blacks to play Tier 2 teams. Now, is that um, purely altruistic? No, it's not. It's because Japan and the USA are their big commercial markets. It's where they want to see their name. Um, so it is for a commercial reason, but at least it's happened, um, folks. So let's... Um, so, um, so, yeah, so that's... Uh, uh, and, and, yeah, with, with, with the end of AIG sponsorship... I would be surprised to see the All Blacks going back to play in the USA again anytime soon. Um, and Paul, all, also something I have to say is, um, look, I, I, I know it's a horrendous mismatch. At the end of the day, you can only play what's in front of you. And in any scope, to put 100 points in 80 minutes is, you know, yeah, that takes skill, no matter how bad the opposition. Because I... I I'll bet you my bottom dollar, if it was the Wallabies or another tier on side, they'd probably struggle to to replicate a scoreline as that because most of these other teams don't necessarily have the skill set to be able to attack consistently like that out wide. So, yeah, look, it'll be pretty disheartening to look at the scoreline uh, if you are a USA Eagles player. Uh, but, you know, steep learning curve. And keep in mind, once upon a time, if you recall, in the 1995 uh Rugby World Cup, I think, it was uh, Simon Culhane. He he set a personal scoring record playing first five and first. Pretty much a, another you know experimental side. The All Blacks played Japan and they put 134 points on the board against them. So that was 25 years ago. But look at where Japan is now. So who's to say that in the year 2000 and let's see how how good did my maths? 2045, <laughs> uh, you know, the USA would be a team who would have beaten the Springboks, uh, upset a few other teams, and uh, yeah, who knows? So onwards and upwards, uh, but uh, no, well done to the, uh, well done to using rugby for, you know, landing a bit of a jackpot. And uh, interesting enough, as you said, it's the COVID year. People have been, I, I, I don't recall a year where rugby-wise, both on and off fields, people have been so busy. So, uh it's going to be interesting times ahead. That's for sure. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It's, um, and I think look, the USA have got the pieces in place to progress quicker than Japan have done um, because of Major League Rugby. Uh, now, finances are going to be an issue around uh, around this, around uh, being able to fund the, the national team. Uh, they went into basically uh, bankruptcy or bankruptcy protection uh, just a couple of years ago. So, look, it's not it's not like it's a um, yeah, everything's great in the USA, but it's, things are heading in the right direction. You do wonder why um, the um, uh, I've gone blank. Uh, you do wonder why um, the US the USA has slipped back a little bit. They were definitely in a better position about three years ago. Um, and they've, uh, they've they've slipped back a bit under, um, which is which is a shame to see. Part of that might be the fact that the American Rugby Championship doesn't exist anymore, uh, which gave them five proper games every year uh, during the Six Nations window. Um, uh, so look, there's, there's there's things to improve there, but um, there are some uh, what do you call about it? There are some uh, some building blocks um, in place um, for that one. Um, we move on then, and uh, the uh, All Blacks will take on Wales next weekend. Remember, apart from the returning players of uh, Dane Coles, Sam Whitelock, Richard Mwanga, and um, Sam Kane in this side, none of those players are first-choice starters uh, that started for the US, started for, 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 the, uh, uh, for the All Blacks this weekend. Um, so uh, we might see, um, well... Uh, 19 changes to the match day 23 um, compared to this weekend. Uh, we can see a lot of changes uh, in that because I say a lot of those, uh, those 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 players are not the first choice ones. I mean, you, you're waxing lyrical earlier about um, about Will Jordan, but he has, for some reason, even though he's a fantastic try scoring record, um, has fallen out of favour with the All Blacks selectors or, or coaches. Um, and rumour has it he doesn't follow the game plan. Let's hope he did so this game. Um, but, um, so, he, um, he surely did. He surely did. If you look at the numbers and stats, I mean, it was uh, six try assists, and he could have, you know, he could have easily scored half of them by himself, but he didn't. And of course, yep. uh, those potent, you know, the real potent runs on the inside ball. You're talking, you know, twelve plus uh, run meters before the first contact, and I think it was seven uh, tackle. Uh, sorry, gain line breaks, line breaks. So. Uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting next week. And good luck to Wales. You will certainly need it. I hope the dragon brings the fire because, uh, yeah, the fire can go out real quick uh, <laughs> coming up well, against yes, the All Black side. The, uh, the Wales are the Six Nations champions, but they will be missing all of their uh, overseas players who have gone up overseas, well, over the border players in England, um, for example. So first and second choice fly half, for example, from, the, from last year are both missing. Uh, but then again, Gareth Hanscom is back from injury, which has been great to see. Um, uh, also, they do have a bunch of injuries. But then again, it does feel like Wales have a match, have, have a starting 15 injured the whole time, unfortunately. So it's have some question marks around player welfare. Uh, but so, yeah, we'll see what's uh, look, We'll look forward to that game uh, next weekend. We sure will. Um, and Paul, I'm going to be very blunt about this. Even if uh, Wales, the reigning Six Nations champions, did have all their finest Kingsmen, they were still going to get a good old-fashioned hiding because uh, that's just how it's going to be. So uh, there's going to be a bit of pain coming next week. But from the Allbacks' point of view, it's just you know making sure they get their execution right and consistency. But I'm pretty sure they won't be taking anything for granted because uh, there's a lot to play for this uh, group of players uh, because there'll be a lot of culling eventually 
once uh, you have to roll on because as i said you know this with this level of talent pool it's inevitable that there will be some drowning so all to play for as far as positions and spots go absolutely um so folks don't forget i'll be back tomorrow at uh, 5 p.m with the uh, lockdown beers and rugby chat uh, yes it's a public holiday but we'll we'll see what news um for those comes out from those very few rugby reporters that are actually working tomorrow um so let's see what uh, what gets written um so we'll bring up speed with all of that i think also moana pacific are talking about uh, uh, announcing three players on the monday i think it was monday or it could have been or maybe they maybe they'll take a long weekend as well maybe it's tuesday we'll have to wait and see um on that one um uh, but uh, Boa, thank you very much uh, time for you to go inside and warm up yeah it is a bit cool uh yeah stay safe everybody thank you for having me on the show thank you folks have it uh, stay safe uh, get vaccinated and uh, See you all tomorrow. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.